Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Scott McLaughlin takes his first championship win in a Volvo. Something, you know, no one counted the Grand Prix win and we wanted to get a championship win ourselves and uh, to get that is awesome. Craig wins number 15 in Perth. It's a place that, uh, you know, when you get it right, it's really satisfying. And Chaz gets his first for FPR. It's fantastic to, to win the, the 200k race. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Here's the news for Nobrac carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. Scott McLaughlin took out Volvo's first points win in the V8 Supercar Series, but the victory was not without its challenges after missing the start. He also had mechanical dramas as he approached the pit stop. thought it would just be an exhaust, but it was a headless. I heard it go sort of before my pit stop it was, and I was catching Lounge in, and um, it was it was still fine. I actually thought it was dropping a cylinder, but it was all good after that. Fabian Coulthard took another podium with Chaz Mostert, passing teammate Frosty Winterbottom and, of course, the championship leader for third. Spoke about the team dynamic at the moment at FPR. Yeah, three threes this year, so it's... Uh... Yeah, hopefully we can go on to the two twos and then at least a first. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting getting out there. You know, Frosty uh, had a different strategy and it was falling back and it's uh, awesome teamwork when you can work with someone to, you know, let you go if they're, t- if they're struggling with tyres. Uh, I've never had that before in any motorsports. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a team third. In the second race of the weekend, it was Craig Lowndes who took another hard-earned victory, his 15th at the track. Uh, oh, look, yeah, I've seen, seen a lot of changes over the, over the, uh, the years that I've been here. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, it, it's really hard on the tyre, and the tyre life is important. You've got to have a nice, balanced, well-balanced car to go up over five down into the bowl. Um, I take a different line into the bowl than I think most people, but it's, uh, you know, it seems to work for me, and, uh, and really it's a... Uh, uh, hoping it helps look after Ty, but uh, you know it's one of those things that it's a place that uh, you know when you get it right, it's really satisfying. Frosty Winterbottom second place ensured he maintained the championship lead, even if his car is not on parity with the rest of his competition, as he said at the start of the season. It's not my job to do all that sort of stuff, so we'll uh, yeah, see what happens. But um, we're doing a good job with what we've got, but uh, we can definitely work in areas we don't have to rely purely on. Uh, you know, people in the sport, we can work harder in areas on our car as well. So um, you don't just sit there saying this and that. We, we need to work hard at the workshop and fix our little areas, and we think we can do it. So um, it's a big five-week gap now, which is pretty pretty good for us. We get a good test day too, so we'll um, yeah see what comes on board. Jamie Winkup said that he was surprised to be on the podium following his 17th place finish. Good. That was definitely um, definitely a good race for us. We were, um, we were struggling the first one. We got, we got swamped in uh, race pace, but um, 
yeah, we turned it around. We made to put the front wheels on the back and the back wheels on the front, and it was uh, it was much better. So um, yeah, we're 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 still messing around trying to get it right, but um, yeah, gee, I, I, I didn't think I'd be on a podium today, that's for sure. On Sunday, it was tyres that were the focus, as both Erebus and HRT cars had failures. Dave Stewart told the V8 Insiders about their immediate investigation into the problem. Yeah, look, we had a we had a problem with the left rear on both the four and the nine car. Um, obviously, we you know you can't solve everything five minutes after the race ends. So, uh, unfortunately for both cars, it happened early on in the race, and because the lap's so short, and uh, you know you lose that much t- more time getting back to the pit, you know we we uh, were we're in trouble right from the get go there. Uh, so you know we need to get back, have a good uh, thorough analysis of the data, uh, try and pick up where the where it's happened, and uh, see see what's going on there. HRT's Adrian Burgess gave the VAD Insiders the following statement, we're not sure yet as to the cause of the problem, whether it's to do with the setup or circuit related, but we are gutted as we were on for a podium. Well, driving through it all was Chaz Mostert to record his second championship win, which was his first for FPR. And at the track, he made his main game debut. Yeah, it's fantastic to, to win the, the 200k race, big bank of points, and a I'm not too sure, don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we won the round, so it's uh, my best finish ever in a round, um, and it's it's fantastic. Uh, everything went right today for us. Um, I think we knew we had to shadow Craig because he was right in front of us, and, um, yeah, I think we just knew that we could hold on if we'd been, um, you know, gentle on the tyres on the first 10 laps that we could get to the 30-lap mark and, and, and still have a, a pretty speedy car. So everything worked awesome today. Um, the pit stops were great. Um, they timed the fuel all that perfectly, so... Um, it's a real credit to them and also to get, you know, third with Mark on the podium. It's a, it's a good day. Craig Lowndes kept Mostert honest but could only manage a second place. So, yeah, I'm really delighted of where, uh, you know, Red Bull's gone now. You know, as I said, two meetings in a row, we had some really bad runs. Perth's been a good hunting ground for us and, uh, you know, I think Jamie was fourth or fifth there. So for our, both our cars, I think it's a really exciting, uh, you know, turnaround and uh, it gives the boys in the workshop a lot of confidence, a lot of encouragement and, uh, you know, really we can now look forward to Darwin. Mark Winterbottom secured his championship lead with a third place. Yeah, it's good that we're both here and um, it's, it's a big day for the team. We, 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 uh, we had the championship lead coming um, off New Zealand and you needed to come back here and back it up and... Uh, you know, both our cars were strong and we, we've got good direction as well now. Wing Cup and Coulthard keeping the championship tight with top five finishes. Fabian happy with his weekend. Yeah, look, you know, come away with uh, two fifths in a second's not bad, especially after our pace that we had at um, New Zealand. You know, we struggled a little bit there, but to come back here and you know, have a reasonable weekend and get a good bag of points is not a bad day. In the Dunlop series, Ash Walsh took the points. I think that we have pretty good form right now, but, you know, there's always little things that we can do better. Um, you know, we had a really good car in qualifying and probably uh, didn't quite have the, have the car in the races. So, you know, I think we still have a little bit of work to do. Um, but at the end of the day, I've still got good points. Dean Fiore, who finished second in only one of two rounds he'll be participating in this year, thought that the changes to the endurance drivings and the track time in the main game for practice was a good idea. I actually agree with that because the team struggle um, full stop um, and it's a big expense to fly all the endurance drivers over. You've got to put them up and you know, potentially stay there for the weekend just to get to know the guys. I mean, I think you can do that at ride days, test days and um, in the workshop. So I actually think it's a good move and um, I don't know that you can gain a lot out of doing those practice sessions. I mean, obviously the main focus is the guys that are in the seat full time. So you just get thrown average rubber and 
roll around and try and look good on the timesheets, but for what, you know? So I agree with it. Interestingly, Paul Dumbrell, who won the Saturday race, did not compete on Sunday due to an Autobahn conference in Melbourne. Now, Adrian Burgess did speak to the V8 Insiders about what it means for securing Garth Tander for the next two years. No, it's good uh, having the stability and the continuity for the both for the driver and for the engineers who are working together. So they've been through the tough times. You know, we've got to work hard and give them a good car so they can enjoy the uh, some good times to come. And so when does Burgess think Holden will re-sign with HRT? Oh, look, it's, it's ongoing. You know, we've been uh, been together for a long time, so. Um, you know, nothing's done until it's done, but, um, you know, discussions are, are fairly well advanced and, uh, yeah, we'd, yeah, we should be OK. And that's the news on the VN Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we look at what a championship win means to Volvo. And finally, we're not sure what was in the water in Perth on Saturday, but there certainly were some laughs. And that's the news on the VN Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we look at what a championship win means to Volvo. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the statewide editor of Auto Action, Gary O'Brien. Good evening, Gary. Good morning. Uh, good evening, Craig. How are you? I don't know where I am. Uh, it's a bit back like that. And... <laughs> that red eye is a killer. Tom Worsley from Tom Worsley Media also joins us. And, and Tom, it, yeah, it's surprising how uh, even if you could do sleep, I can sleep on the plane and I slept quite a bit of the trip, it still knocks you around. Uh, definitely. I'm still feeling it now. And uh, But it's... Great to be back on the show again, Craig. And uh, what a weekend it was in Perth. It, it was worth the trip. There was just so much going on, Tom. And, uh, well, off air we'd started by talking about uh, Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisberg. And um, is it called flipping the Kiwi, if, Adam, if uh, they do it New Zealander to New Zealander? Well, I wasn't, I've been under the impression that Kiwis can't fly, so maybe they have to flip them instead. <laughs> Uh, Gary, it, it was a big one, and you actually picked up some radio traffic on that. Yeah, well, obviously, um, uh, McLaughlin was a bit upset by the fact that it took him so long to get past uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, and uh, he was um, he basically related back to the uh, to the crew chief that uh, the, that cost him the race. Although I thought um, his tyres were uh, pretty poor by that stage anyway, and. Uh, yeah, the usual uh, comment came back, take a drink, which means calm down and just get on with the job. But um, he reckons he had a lot less trouble with other 
competitors getting past from what the Giz gave him. But the Giz also said on the radio earlier, he said, I'm just waving at everyone going past. <laughs> but, um, he, he, he had no speed whatsoever for most of the weekend. And I'm, when I'm talking about speed, you know, you're talking about probably two to four tenths a lap. And uh, over a period of a race, of course, that certainly builds up. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, in, a, in a world where first to 25th is only, at, what, about uh, half a second, if you're losing three or four tenths in a lap, you're going backwards. It's like you're in reverse, Tom. But interestingly, it was Saturday where we had the first championship win for Volvo and Scott McLaughlin on top of the world. And then, of course, later that day, Craig Lowndes picked up his 15th win at the Barbagello circuit. So uh, there was a, a lot to talk about because when you get to Sunday, Chaz Mostert takes his first win for FBR and his second career win. Yeah, it was definitely a, an amazing weekend for Volvo. You, know, you, you only have to look at the pace that they've had um, straight out of the box this year and it was only a matter of time before they converted that into a race win. Uh, I think I think that Scott McLaughlin was a little bit frustrated earlier in the year when he had so much pace, but a couple of little mishaps. And um, but I, I think that it shows that this championship is still there's a lot to play out in, in the round ahead. Um, I don't think you can write off Jamie Wincup because he came back strong in uh, in that second race on on Saturday, and it's. it's Different things have really shaken up the points, so I think it's it's setting up to be a really tight finish again this year and multiple contenders. Yeah, Gary, it, it was just a, a a really good solid weekend of racing too. <coughs> well, pardon me, yeah, it certainly was. Uh, three different manufacturers uh, getting across the line. Um, the, the turnaround from FPR has to be uh, mentioned because uh, that was saying early in the year that we, they needed to look at parity and. Oh, obviously, they really only had to look at what they were doing within their own team because nothing's changed between them and Red Bull racing from last year and uh, the early part of the season, it was all the Holden outfit. But uh, lately now, they've, uh, they're basically at the top of the game uh, considering that uh, Wink Cup probably, um, uh, apart from making a bit of a comeback, Winterbottom was probably the overall winner if there was such a thing for the, no, for the three races. Most and, um, I think you'll find. Uh, yeah, but um, Winterbottom had good results on Saturday in both yeah. races. Mustard had a third and, well, and a fifth, didn't he? And a well, he scored um, 64, 51 and 150, so there's, what, 265 points or thereabouts. Um, so when you think about it, and Winterbottom got 129, 69 and 60. So basically close to being 1-2, if, if nothing mm-hmm. else then. So um, FPR has certainly done a turnaround at the moment. Have they peaked too early? That's the other question you've got to say. And will Red Bull Australia or Red Bull Australia Racing come back stronger um, at the following rounds? Because we know they've got good uh, good track record at Darwin, also at Townsville, and also at QR. Mm. But interestingly, Tom, as we move forward, there are also tracks that uh, FPR have had a lot of success at. Yeah, it's... Um I, I mean, if you look at Red Bull or Triple Eight, um, they've been successful at every track. So, uh, whereas in previous years we've seen FPR stronger towards the uh, sort of the middle of the year, and uh, I think 
I think heading into Darwin, it's just too hard to predict anything because you've got some guys that are traditionally quick that are off the pace. You've got um, a couple of dark horses in there like Fabian Coulthard, who's having quite a strong year. And um, Brad Jones Racing is one of those teams that if they get it right on a weekend, they're uh, they're really strong, and particularly in but some of the uh, tracks like like Darwin. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough one to call this far out. Yeah, it is, and that's uh, what's making it very exciting. It, the format, though, Gary, you sold on the Super Sprint format with the two races on Saturday, and and then the one almost like feature race on the Sunday? I am, actually. I, I'm quite finding it quite entertaining because it's 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 throwing up a, a gamut of winners, which is what we really want to see. We had 10 different winners this year so far, and we've only finished our, what, fifth event. Mm. So you've got to say that that's, that's pretty good uh, uh, stats from, from this, and, you know, and we expect more to come from some of the other teams that we don't normally see. HRT, uh, low form at the moment. Um, the Nissans, we... We've got to think that um, you know they're going to they're going to have some good results at some stage, and of course don't forget the Volvo and with Scotty McLaughlin particularly and Robert Dahlgren did a uh, got an eighth qualifying in for the last race but um, didn't have the race pace. Yeah, didn't have the tyres, did he, Tom? It, if anyone looked like they'd hit reverse gear, unfortunately it was Robert Dahlgren. Yeah, it's, it's just so uh, so disappointing to see him put in such a good result in qualifying and then struggle in the race. It's, uh, you know, some might put it down to the curse of the internationals. Uh, but I, I think that Dahlgren's got it in him. I, he just needs to uh, have a, a year under his belt to learn the tracks and um, just get a little bit of luck on his side. <laughs> yes, that goes a long, long way. Hey, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel joined by Tom Wordley and also Gary O'Brien. And guys, uh, interesting Dave Wall. He had a, a great day on Sunday and, and with a brand new car, they didn't even have a shakedown run. That was great to see him start to claw back, uh, claw back some ground, Gary. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And um, well, these days, I think with what they know about the cars, what have you, they don't really have to give them a shakedown. Uh, the cars, all the infos there. Um, parts of the other car would have gone into this one, you know, with um, mechanicals like drivetrain and, and engine and what have you. And of course, Scott Byer had a reasonably good uh, outing as well. He was uh, he was in the thick of things as they were um, going through the proce- procedure of three races. So yeah, and but David Wall particularly getting that seventh first equals his career best, if I'm not wrong, in that third race. Yeah, certainly, uh, Tom. It, it was good to see them having some good results, and Scott Pye was right there and about throughout the weekend. Not not 
challenging at the front, but certainly getting to the front of the middle of the pack. Yeah, it's certainly a, a big improvement from where he was last year. If you, uh, you know, Just before the break, I was talking about people that needed a little bit of luck, and that was something I kept saying about Scott Pye last year. It's plenty of talent there, and but it, he could never get a, a race weekend together through, um, be it mechanical failure or just getting caught up in in other people's incidents. So it's it's really good to see uh, see him do well, and particularly when his uh, counterparts from the Dunlop series a couple of years ago are, are up the front winning races. It's you know, he's probably thinking I should be there too. Yeah, that is the truth. And uh, and Gary also what has been. Um interesting was to see Russell Ingle. He was uh, in Saturday qualifying right at the pointy end in both races. Well, that was unusual because he actually commented to his uh, team that uh, when he got those two third qualifying spots for races 14 and 15, he said, well, that's the hard part out of the way because qualifying has always been the most difficult part he's had to, to go through. Uh, unfortunately, the race results weren't quite as good as what he did in qualifying. No, but you you get that from time to time. You're good at one end, you trade it off at the other. If you're good for one lap, you normally trade it off with speed over the journey. Yeah, but my, what I was trying to get at is he's always raced better than what he has qualified, but he did it the opposite way around at this meeting. Yeah. Now, a couple of, uh, couple of issues. Of course, we've talked about the uh, New Zealanders flipping each other the bird, but uh, Erebus got pinged for um, having two... Steering rack sensors on the car, of course, uh, they were only running one of them, but, uh, sorry, they're only supposed to run one, but they had dispensation to put a second one on, but they, they weren't supposed to be plugging it in, Tom. It's interesting that if you've got dispensation that uh, you can still get a fine, you'd think that you know, if, if you've got dispensation, there's not going to be too many terms, of, terms and conditions attached to it, but, uh, you know, obviously... There was a, a difference of opinion on that one, and they got slugged with a ten thousand dollar fine for it. Yeah, well, they've, they've coughed it up. They've uh, copped to it, haven't they, Gary? Because they said, "Well, we were told we could put two on, but we could only have one running at a time." And uh, yeah, we sillily we plugged both in. Yeah, well, you just have to wear it, I guess. And it's probably an oversight from someone, but from from some stage when they may have um, maybe during practice they may have had it plugged in for that. And then someone's not um, disconnected it for the for the qualifying and for the races. Mm, well, well, I could, no, it was in uh, Friday, I think, that they copped the penalty, and it was a very interesting explanation too, where they said we've fined them because under normal circumstances we might exclude their times if it was uh, practice or exclude them from the race, but because uh, sorry, if it was qualifying or uh, the race, but they've decided to go with a heavy fine because uh, they said, well, we could throw them out of practice, but that's really not a, a disincentive. So they've put everyone on notice. If you do want to uh, try anything uh, with the rules, you're, you're going to cop a, a huge chunk out of what is already a very small bank balance, Tom. Yes, that's right. It's, um, I, think, I think you're right. Maybe the officials were just making an example of, of Erebus, but... Um, I would argue that they've been doing that on a few occasions this year. Um, Russell Ingle's little outburst at Winton and getting slugged with such a fine for that. I, I think that they're just trying to send clear messages that this will not be tolerated in the series. Mm. 
And, uh, of course, Gary, we've had another couple of interesting little uh, things going on on the side with uh, with the uh, the way the teams are approaching uh, certainly this whole parody debate where uh, some are going red hot on uh, ev- everything's wrong and we've got to get it all fixed. But then there's other people that go, well, look at the finishing order, look at the qualifying times. Where's the parody problem? I can't see one. I've, I've failed to see one all year. I think they've been really close. Um, uh, less than six tenths of a second covered the qualifying for the third race there on Sunday. And how can you argue parity? What, they want them all to be exactly on the same time? <laughs> well, I guess that's... Uh... I suppose that's the goal, to have it a, a purely about the driver's ability, Tom. I disagree. I, I think that if if it's about the driver's ability, it should they should be in Carrera Cup or a, a one-make series instead of, you know, that's one of the great things about having multiple cars on the grid. There are some cars that are stronger on the straights. There are some better in turns, some better in the slower corners over the sweeping ones. And if we're going to go down this whole parody thing of every car must be have the exact same uh, characteristics and there's going to be no difference, then uh, it does get boring over the course of a year. And, of course, where do they overtake each other if they have the same acceleration, the same deceleration, and the uh, same handling characteristics through the term? I... I, it is a and it's an interesting topic how you measure parity. Uh, but uh, guys, one thing that wasn't equal across the weekend was the quality of the left rear tyres on some of the cars, where we saw uh, both HRT and both Erebus cars suffer left rear punches across the weekend. Gary, and uh, amazing that just those two cars had exactly the same problem in exactly the same race, and it uh, certainly ruined their weekends. Well, this I think this comes down to uh, what what um, amount of tyre pressure they're running in, and it's generally conceded that they would have ran low pressures and expected the tap track temperature to be warmer, like it was on Saturday, than what it was on Sunday. So they wouldn't have got the temperature out of them. There's that, that along with the fact of uh, whatever camber they're running on the rear of those cars, and also uh, there was some talk about the turn five um, ripple strip off the exit as you go back up the hill, uh, cars hitting that. So that the combination of those three things is, ob- is obviously what um, most people think is what the problem's been. Mm. What do you think, Tom? Well, when it's in the same team, you have to have to be asking the question about you know, is it uh, the, the choice in uh, in pressures and setup that they've got. I think if, if we were seeing it across six teams, it would be a, you know, you'd be asking the question to Dunlop instead, but I think that Gary's hit the nail on the head. It's about pressures, and uh, keep in mind that there were also a few guys that had left rear damage, but not to the same extent on the Saturday, like uh, Jack Perkins. Yeah, so, the, yeah. the Perkins one's an interesting one, because he went 42 laps on Saturday, didn't he, Gary? Uh, on the first he, race. He was the only one in the first race that uh, went through without a stop, and then um, had two punches in the next race. So, but um, by Sunday, and they the, had um, an additional set of tyres and were planning to three-stop as uh, Jason Bright did. Unfortunately, they got involved in a little bit of a 
a, a contact situation with uh, the Lee Holsworth AMG and uh, had to do a fourth stop for a drive for it. So that sort of killed their, their race day. Mm. You were saying, Tom? Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, uh, until they got the puncture, the plan was to go the whole distance again in the, in the second race because Jack didn't qualify very well in either of those races and the decision was made that even if we get to the front and uh, you know, make up all our positions through people pitting and then our tyres go off, we're still going to be better off than where we than, uh, than pitting because uh, you know, there's, there's only so much time that a new tyre will bring and when you're chasing positions instead of um, a race win, uh, the decision was made that they could achieve that by not stopping. Yeah, Tom was right there because they started last in in race fourteen and finished twelfth. Yeah, it was a it was a huge improvement on on a on a risky strategy, but uh, it, it paid off for them. Uh, another, well, another interesting situation we've had is we haven't had a safety car on Sunday now since Adelaide. It's a remarkable achievement. Do you think it's the the drivers just getting better? Or, Gary, is it a case of uh, they're all scared of Jason Barguana? <laughs> I think it's um, possibly because of the, um, well, particularly last weekend, with the tyre life the way it is, a soft tyre uh, over 83 laps and needing to um, to run a strategy that uh, they, they don't want to get involved in pissy cuffs because, um, you know, there's, there's no gain from it. And there was a little bit of... Uh, push and shove but nothing that's outside the boundaries of limitations and uh, I think that's that's the reasoning behind it. Uh, they're, 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 it's more of a thinking man's game than just a sheer pace thing like the Saturday races. Uh, well I was, uh, I was just thinking Chrysler didn't get any value for money over the weekend. Even the two races on Saturday we didn't have a safety car. Yep, so we've, we've, that's four races in a row and I think part of it is going to come down to driver standards but um, I think having the longer races and, and the strategy involved is um, is also helping and I, particularly uh, I know it's a slightly different ball game but that's a comment that some, a lot of the Dunlop series guys are saying the, the quality of driving is better because we've got longer races and, and people aren't making desperate moves. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one that we'll look on with interest as we get up to Hidden Valley next. But before we go, uh, uh, Tom, uh, of course, a very sad week for Australian motorsport with the passing of Sir Jack Brabham. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a shock for everyone to step off red eyes and, and get the news of of the passing of Sir Jack and uh definitely a, a hero to a lot of people and one of the the genuine nice guys of the sport. Mm. Gary, you had a, a couple of occasions where you had to chat with him as well. Yeah, yeah, um, I spoke to him at Melbourne Grand Prix many years ago, basically about uh, what he regarded as uh, good categories and bad categories in, in car racing. And, uh, and yeah, that was uh, indeed... Uh, will be surely missed but we we have uh, like three sons and two grandsons that are that are currently involved in motorsport to carry his legacy on and of course one racing at the race that he changed forever the Indianapolis 500 this weekend so uh, his legacy will be uh, felt not only in Australia and uh, in Formula One circles but definitely in the United States as well yeah yes indeed
The White Flag Lap is up next. Thanks very much to Tom Worsley and Gary O'Brien for joining us here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we look at Volvo's first championship win. We start with the Saturday press conference and Jamie Winkup. Don't we count the Grand Prix? No, and like Jamie said, no one counts the Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Yeah, very, very stoked to ha- like have it happen, and um, you know, for everyone back at Gothenburg, for everyone at Volvolin, you know, and, and everyone back at our workshop and uh, Long South, it's awesome, and um, something that we can all be very proud of. I mean, they've worked very hard over the Christmas break and, and a few things to get this thing fast and and being able to show what I can do, and, and I'm very lucky that I can do that for our whole team. It's it's probably Gary. I mean, he's put a lot into this as well as all the Volvo dudes, but for my mum, dad, and my sister, I mean, um, it was a it was a big uh, a decision to you know be with Volvo on a few things and and just to continue my career at GRM and um, and we went through some rough times while doing that and it was it was a bit emotional and stuff so uh, to do it and 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 to show that we you know I've made the right decision is a big thing for my life and my career. Gary Rogers explained what it meant to him personally. To me personally, I don't see me as the person really. I see the team as the person. I mean, someone has to head the team up, and I'm that person, and I get immense satisfaction from it but I get more satisfaction for my team and my people than I do necessarily for Volvo or whoever because you know this is about a you spend your every day you're awake you're working with these people and it's just great for them and I think to to get the car up look I never had a doubt I know a lot of the only issue for us and it wasn't an issue we we, we thought the Polestar engine would be great but we didn't have really early so we had to do testing without it but we got all that done but once we had that engine there I knew we'd done the job right on the rest of the car and so personally back to the personally thing I'm personally really proud of myself and my people to have been able to achieve that. Matt Baird the managing director of Volvo put it into the company's perspective. Yeah look we're really pleased with yesterday's result um I'd, I'd like to be confident so we knew it was coming obviously the car's proven to be very quick uh, certainly Scott's grabbed a hold of it and done a great job and for us, it's, it's, it validates everything we're trying to do with this project. Uh, we, had a, a, we had the first win, obviously, in the Melbourne, but, uh, but that was being a non-championship event. This is sort of the first real one, so to speak. And it's great, and I think that it, um, it highlights we've won the race, we've beaten the competition fair and square. Uh, we are the new boys on the block, but we're competitive, uh, and we're obviously going to challenge for every race from here on, without doubt. So from a marketing point of view, it allows us to obviously shout that from the rooftops a little bit more. Is the idiom win on Sunday, sell on Monday, does that have any sort of relevance in this market? Yeah, absolutely. It already is showing that for us, which is great. That's And we intended to do that. This isn't just for fun. Um, we do enjoy it. It's, it's good for us. But at the end of the day, it's about promoting the Volvo brand and showcasing the S60 model uh, to, the, to the wider audience and the, and the buying public. And so far, that's worked out really well um, from, the, from the get-go on Clipstool to now. We've seen an increased inquiry on the S60. We've actually seen sales increase uh, 62% over the same period last year. 
So there's still a long way to go. We're not we're not where we need to be yet, but it's to see it move in that direction so soon uh, since we kicked off uh, the, the campaign has been really pleasing. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.